What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. I'm here in blustery Chicago for the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, We've had a couple interesting games. We're recording this after the Iowa-Ohio State game, so before the evening session. And so we're not going to be able to tell you what happened then, except our guess at this point is that it was uh, not the favorite who won. It's been the anti-chalk tournament, even though they were in sort of many uh, upsets, just eight versus nine and uh, 13 over 12. Well, you may, you may not realize this because they've been pounding it on television and you're there at the United Center, but uh, this is the first time Big Ten tournament history that the first four games have all gone to the lower-seeded team. And the next game we've got up, which, as you say, we haven't seen yet, is Penn State against Illinois. It will not shock me if Penn State wins that game. I'm kind of expecting them to. Could make it five straight. I suspect the streak stops with the next one, though. If Illinois doesn't get it done, I'd be very surprised to see Minnesota take out Maryland. But who knows? Yeah, well, that's been the uh, story of the tournament so far. Absolutely. It's been actually really entertaining, uh, the Minnesota-Nebraska game. And just like I told you, Nebraska is someone, a team to watch and worry about <laughs> as they go down <laughs> the first round. And I think, you know, we, we both we both thought, too, with the Wisconsin, I I think we both thought Wisconsin would handle Ohio State, not easily, but that they would take care yeah. of them. And they really, they really look terrible. I mean, they didn't. They're, well, they're like even got it close. Look, the bottom, right, very fortunate. I mean, they were down 27 in the second half. And they got it where well, they get it as close as seven or maybe five. And then they just faded. They couldn't, they couldn't hold on uh, to, to complete the comeback, but um, the deal with Wisconsin and we've talked about it. Uh, I talked about it on a Wisconsin podcast a couple of days ago. They're a worse version of Michigan state in the sense that if they don't get production from three, it's really hard for them to score enough to win. Well, what happened last night? They couldn't get threes to fall. Yeah. And when and and then on the flip side, something that I know they thought they'd be able to do, which is exploit Ohio State's lack of size with crawl and and wall, just did not happen with any regularity. So it was the same old story for Wisconsin this year. They really struggled offensively and 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 lost the game. Um, it is interesting to me though that you know we've talked about all year. Well. The Big Ten is extremely deep. One through twelve are quality teams, you know, yep. to one degree or another. Uh, but thirteen and fourteen, it has to be said, even late in the regular season, you could argue both Minnesota and Ohio State 
were playing their best basketball, and that seemingly carried over into the tournament. Now, we're going to hope it doesn't carry any further for at least one of them. But um, it is true that those teams are playing better right now than their season performance would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. And it's resulted in three wins so far between the two of them with Minnesota pending tonight. Right. Uh, so before we get going further, I just wanted to send a thanks to Christopher James. He sent us a one-time gift via Venmo. I sent along the note, thank you for your amazing content. I listen to every morning episode of my morning walks with my dog. It's a great way to escape from the daily grind. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Christopher. And uh, thanks to your dog for keeping you busy and keep getting you some exercise. <laughs> and we appreciate the support. If you want to support the show, please go to the final force on the schedule.com slash support. Or if you're lazy, tffinots.com slash support. There you can give one-time gifts via Venmo or PayPal or a recurring gift through Patreon, which we really appreciate. Uh, and so let's talk about the matchup. Well, the one game we just got back from is the, it was Ohio state versus Iowa. And I, th- well, maybe we should talk about Rutgers and Michigan first, since that was the first game this afternoon. Sure. And, sure. um, there aren't many tears being shed people listening to this podcast. I imagine as Michigan goes down in a really lackluster effort, especially the second half, they were just a disaster, yeah. two, field, yeah. two field goals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that the United center is not really good at putting up stats, which is weird. Um, unless you're in the, first tier so you can kind of see just like random stuff like how many block shots and stuff but i was like i turned my wife i said it's been i feel like it's been 10 minutes since michigan's hit a field goal and sure enough yep. look at it later on they only had two for the entire half uh i don't know i mean that was i guess that was a michigan team we saw at times last year but they were they seemed like they were playing better and rutgers is on life support and as you very accurately put out you said well you know big 10 when you've lost five in a row the next thing you expect is to turn around they were they were due for a turnaround. Now I still, I do think Rutgers played well defensively and that's been a problem lately for them too, is I don't think they've been since, um, what's his name? Mag, the power forward Mag, went out. Yeah. yeah. Since Matt went out, I don't, you know, the offense has been obvious because they've just been God awful, but I think they they've slid backward defensively without him too. So today it was very interesting. And, they did it often with a four guard lineup that helps when two of your guards are each six, six, yeah, the way right. Mulcahy and McConnell are, but, but still four guards. And then usually, um, Omarui at, at, at center, um, sometimes Wolfolk who had a good game too off the bench, but, um, very impressive defensive effort. And then in the second half, they just, they got some shots to fall. I mean, they, they had one three pointer in the first half. I don't know what they ended up with, but I'm thinking it was, they probably hit another four or so that seems right in the second half, which, which doesn't sound huge, but they were all big shots. They were all shots. It seems to me, at least anecdotally thinking back on that game, it seems like when they hit them, they were, they were at points where it felt like the game could tilt one direction or the other. And just always kept happening in the Rutgers column. Um, it was impressive. I mean, I, I think that a really good defensive effort. They got enough offensively. Um, and Michigan, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of a disaster there. I think that what has to be very disappointing for them, I think was really decisive in this game, is that Kobe Bufkin, who's been fantastic, He's been there. I, I would imagine whenever they do their team banquet or whatever, that uh, 
Dickinson probably will be named team MVP, but in my mind, it should be Kobe Bufkin. I think he's been their best player Yeah, because he, he does it at both ends, which can't take for granted since a lot of their guys are frankly awful defenders, <laughs> but Bufkin was not good today. First time in a while that I think you could say that, um, jet was terrible. I have to believe Michigan fans. I did the biggest moment of that game. And the one that was emblematic, maybe of a lot of their season was that missed free throw or Simpson missed the free throw. Nobody else from Rutgers on, on the lane. Right. And no <laughs> one from Michigan moves. He just cuts in, scoops up his miss and lays it in. I've never seen a free throw that uh, someone rebound their free throw that easily and score. Not at the college level. No, no. no. You'll see that in a junior high game. <laughs> I'm, and I'm serious. I mean, it takes that level. But a, a lot of people, I'm sure, are screaming at at Dickinson. And uh, I believe Reed was in the game at that time, too. I think they were going yeah. with their Twin Tower look. But if you looked at it, it was those guys both had screened off. Rutgers did have guys on the line. My my bad. Because now I remember they did. The, their two big guys scre- at least screened guys off. It was Jet. Jet didn't move. No, he didn't move. And McDaniel didn't was do anything. right there. Yeah. And McDaniel too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Jet because um, <laughs> I, I I just love I just every time I see him play in these games and I just I just go back to having to listen to Gus Johnson with his Jet with two T's nonsense <laughs> and and then you watch this kid and and look he's a kid who has talent offensively. But the way he plays the game is just a disgrace. And it's it's hard. And I use that word advisedly. It is disgraceful. And it is hard for me to understand how his father, being the player he was, Juwan was a very good defensive player and a, and a guy who played hard all the time. That's my recollection of him. And, and that guy is then your coach. Yeah. And this is his kid. I I will never understand it. But I think for Michigan fans, the Jet experience is probably a one and done. I think the more interesting question is going to be with Buffton, who seems to be showing up in a lot of first-round mocks for whatever that's worth. We'll see where that goes. And then what happens with Dickinson? Uh, you know, Dickinson lately has not been the problem per se. I agree. And he has played better than he did in the first two-thirds of the season. But I still maintain it is a problem when he is on your team because by nature of what he is, for him to be effective, you have to orient your team around him to a large extent. And, and for starters, I don't like in the modern game orienting your team around a five-man. I really don't like it when that five-man can't move because yeah. then you're stuck with what he does or doesn't do defensively. It, it can prevent other guys from maybe becoming what they should be offensively. It just, and that's all apart from the off court antics. <laughs> uh, I just, if I were a Michigan fan and, and look, Terrace Reed didn't play well today, but, but Terrace Reed has shown enough that if I were a Michigan fan, honest to God, I would say, I would like the Dickinson experience to be over and let's let next year be the start of the Terrace Reed era at the five, just because you're going to get more balanced play. And I think Terrace Reed is going to be very good. I think he's going to become a much better player offensively sooner than later, more consistent. I think he's already a very good rebounder. Michigan state found that out. He's got great 
uh, defensive tools better than I realized he had. Um, he's going to be a player. And I just think it makes for better balance. But in any event, they're done now. All the people that were out there insisting that the committee wants to bend over backward <laughs> to find a way to shove Michigan into this field, which, by the way, was never going to happen. It, it, Michigan had a, a very obvious task in front of it. It had to win two games yeah. in this tournament. Had to. Today was not going to get it done, but it's all a moot point because they didn't get it done. They got their asses handed to them in the second half. And so I guess for all the Michigan State fans that have worked up a, a healthy dislike for Steve Peichel in the last two, three, um, maybe for at least a day, he got back in your good grace. So <laughs> it'll be temporary, I'm sure. Um yeah, so the second, the second. And, well, oh. then just real quick, then you know, for just the the other end of it, Rutgers, I think, actually really needed this game too. I think yes, they're I in think so now. Too. Yeah, I agree. That would be my assumption. Um, they play Purdue tomorrow. They they played Purdue competitively. Well, they beat them. They've been able to do that. Yeah, right. They beat them, and then I think didn't they play them twice? I think they lost in the other one. Maybe not, but they did beat them. You're right. They beat them in West Lafayette. That was a century ago, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to imagine this Rutgers team, the way they're playing now, being able to score enough points to hang with Purdue. But, you know, the one advantage they've got is sometimes not always, but sometimes this thing, you watch these quarterfinal games. And, and I think it feels like the team that's got a game already under their belt. Yep is able to play a little bit more loosely. They're a little bit more dialed in and it take the team with the buy a bit to settle in. And sometimes that costs them. So that would be your, your hope, I guess, if you're Rutgers is, is that that comes to pass. But I, 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 I tend to think Purdue is a solid favorite in that game. I would expect them to win, but as we've said, <laughs> this is the big 10 in 2023. Knows. Yeah, we haven't had any favorites win yet at this point as, as of this. Recording. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so the more surprising one, I think, was the fact that Ohio State, not only did they beat Wisconsin, which was not super shocking, but the fact that they beat Iowa. And, uh, you know, and may, and again, you look at that, you're like, well, you know, Iowa has not been playing great. They they had that amazing game against Indiana, which is kind of inexplicable because they lost, basically lost to Michigan State and then won on sort of miraculous ending. And then they had sort of thrown a bunch of uh, stink bombs at the end of the season too, losing it to close it out, losing at home to Nebraska. So, in some ways, I guess you could say it's sort of was what who they were. So I don't know. I mean, it's so Michigan gets a team that's played two games already, uh, but Ohio yeah. State is they're they're playing better defensively, I think, than they've they've been before. They're really super active hands, and I don't know if that was Iowa partly facilitating that by dribbling in too deep and just having some lazy passes. But I think some of it was just Ohio State's activity level was better than it's been recently. I would agree with that. But I think the other thing that's happened, this is going to be really important because uh, it, it was a factor in the game at Breslin just a few days ago. The other thing that's really important, I think, is that um, Ohio State is out of necessity forced to play a small ball lineup a lot. And when they have that lineup in, they seem really aggressive in terms of their activity level, at least to my eyes, they had. And, and I don't think teams have made, been able to make them pay for it enough. 
you know, had a good game, but I didn't think he dominated when Ohio state had Eugene Brown on him. Nope. Um, you know, so this, this is the thing. And we'll, we'll return to this subject in a minute and specifically into the Michigan state element of this. But, um, I think it's personally having seen this now, uh, two straight, you know, in, in multiple games now, I think it's a mistake to try to think that, well, we're going to play our big guy against their small ball lineup. and We're just going to try and pound it into the blocks um, offensively and take advantage of them, figuring they can't match up. I, I don't think that's a wise decision. The advantage that Michigan State has over most other teams in the Big Ten, maybe everybody, I'd have to think about it, is Michigan State can play a small ball lineup that not only isn't unorthodox for them, but might arguably be their best offensive lineup. Sure. I think it is. Um, so I think they're better equipped to, to match up and go small when Ohio State goes small. And, and they didn't do a lot of that at Breslin. We talked about it in the postgame. I was kind of frustrated and surprised by that that we didn't see more of it. And I think it, I think if I remember correctly, one of the things I, I attributed it to was the rotations being weird just because for senior day, you're starting a different lineup and they could never really get it. The rotations back on track, right. You know, where guys are fresh at the same time and you know, all of that. So I'm hoping that we see more small ball looks from Michigan state, but anyway, uh, getting back to the way Ohio state played, yeah, I mean, they, they found out of necessity, they found something that's working for them. And I think that the other thing I thought was really interesting in the Iowa game was if you notice down the stretch run, when that game was there to be won and lost, Bryce Sensabaugh, who's pretty clearly their best offensive player on the bench, nowhere to be found. And that is because they re- Ohio State's a bad defensive team anyway. Yeah. They're really bad when Sensabaugh is out there. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the other thing, too, about this game, I know it wasn't quite the track meet that we thought, but I, my opinion watching it, I, I thought both teams were still really bad defensively. I mean, there was a long stretch in that game where, you know, you're just one team needs to get a stop (laughs) and then another basket and they neither one could do it. And it was just awful defense. It wasn't just, wow, that guy just hit a tough shot. It was just bad defense both ways. Um, But Ohio state eventually got enough breaks to win, but they're, they, they may be slightly better than they were, but not by a lot. They still lack defensively in my view and Wisconsin game. They were able to win that in part because Wisconsin is just that bad of an offensive yeah, they're terrible. team right now. Yeah. They just can't get, they're not hitting threes. It's really tough for them. And you saw that in that game. I mean, to get down 26 to Ohio state, give Ohio state credit for playing better than they've been you know, over the course of the season. But if you're down 27 to that team, <laughs> you got problems. Yeah. And, and that's how it was. Yeah. Well, in watching that game, so, it was, they definitely had lots of problems. I, I will say this about Ohio State, though, for as much as I say defensively, yeah, there might be slight improvement, but it's still, they're still not good. Offensively, I do like what they're doing better lately. Uh, and I think a lot of it has been down to Bruce Thornton 
really coming on yeah. and playing good sound offensive basketball. You know, he's, he's giving them a guy who's just proving to be really tough to guard because he can hit threes. He shot pretty well all year from distance. But I think the biggest difference has been, if you remember us talking not too long ago about Ohio state doesn't get to the line because their guards never look to get to the rim. Well, he's starting to do more of that. And he's also starting to be effective with mid range pull-ups too. In both areas, he's using what frankly is an athletic advantage against most people he's playing against against most people he's playing against. He's quicker and he's stronger. He's really put together and he's starting to use those physical tools, get shot opportunities, good looks, and he's more of them. So that's, that's making a big difference today. They got some really good minutes from Roddy Gale. Um, I thought he was really good down the stretch, especially with their, their, their small ball lineups. They kind of, the floor and he was another one that was attacking and he hasn't been doing that the whole year so yeah better things in columbus that's for sure all right before we go further i just want to thank our sponsor of the show first sponsor is nudge printing nudge printing is the one the company run by gabe and Brittany, msu alums they are michigan based out of portland and high quality screen printed garments both hoodies and t-shirts and uh, they also do decals like for your car, your computer, cornhole, your wall. You can get all those things at nudgeprinting.com. Uh, they also are involved in the Spartan Strong effort, and so they've printed over 15,000 shirts for Spartan Strong to help with the shooting victims from the Michigan State incident on February 13th. They also print our stuff, so if you want to get a logoed shirt or hoodie, you can go to the final on the schedule.com slash merchandise. There it can link you to our selection from there. You can also get to all the rest of the stuff that nudge printing offers. You can also get other schools, both in the state of Michigan and outside. You can check out all the schools there. Are, I think like 70 or so, I think uh, you can find out anything there and it's all available and free shipping highly regarded. I know they have like over a thousand, I think five star reviews. You can go to nudgeprinting.com and on the, Coupon code at checkout, enter in final four to get 20% off your order. Also, I'd like to, uh, it is spring and it's rainy season coming. And so if you have, do not have your gutters taken care of, you are going to have all kinds of problems. Or maybe you have gutters that just cause you all sorts of issues like mine. If you need them cleaned, if you need them repaired, if you need them replaced, talk to the brothers that just do gutters. And the name of the franchise is exactly what they do. They just do gutters. So they specialize in it. They do a great job. They're professional. They're fully insured. They'll get things done quickly. Uh, Kurt Stauffer and his team over on the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids area. It's all the way out to Lakeshore, down to Saugatuck, up to Rockford, out to Lowell. If you're in that area and you need work in your gutters or you want someone to check it out, and you can get 10% off if you contact Kurt at kurt.staufffer at brothersgutters.com. That will be on the show notes and the podcast player. So you can see that. And so if you don't have to write that down as you're out in your walk, out for your walk with your dog. Uh, so... And also the final note is that Rod has had, with the winter storms, has had some infrastructure problems <laughs> with the Detroit area, and he's gotten some, maybe some damage to the, uh, just basically trying to get communication. So that's why his internet is a little bit wonky at times. So apologize for that. We will get on that as soon as we can, I guess, or make Comcast do it or whoever. <laughs> so uh, 
Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get on that with DTE <laughs> and and uh, and Comcast Xfinity. If nothing so, else, we'll get him luck. out. Well, yeah, we'll get you out there trimming some trees, Rod. And then uh... good luck, good luck to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My my neighbor used that. Believe me. <laughs> well, my dad and my mom are down in Florida, and they had a bunch of hurricane damage, so they're still repairing roofs and stuff from whenever that hurricane oh, yeah. was back in the in October. So, yep. Um, yep. yeah, that sometimes it's amazing how long that t- takes to fix all that stuff up. Uh, and then finally, uh, before we talk about Michigan State and what they're going to do, let's just break briefly for another word from other other sponsors, Blue Wire. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Okay, so Michigan State will play in the second game in the afternoon session on Friday in the quarterfinals they'll be after the Rutgers Purdue game they'll take on number 13 seed Ohio State and you know again you sort of mentioned briefly there's they're going to be facing the I guess the hurdle of just of kind of coming in you're fresh but of course you've you haven't played so you're not you know not acclimated to the tournament although you know again this is a team of all seniors they've all played in this tournament a couple times for the most part uh, and they're also not going to be playing a third game in three days so you think in that sense they probably have an advantage uh, but, you know, they've had issues in the last, I don't know, a few games where they have just times where they're a little bit slow getting out of the gates and sometimes really slow getting out of the gates and something you don't want to give Ohio State any chance, any breathe, uh, life to breathe here early in the game. Yeah, um, you know, and you you just you never know in in this kind of setting um, how you're going to come out. Um, you hope that you're going to get off to a strong start. As you say, uh, the best move against an underdog is to not give them any reason for confidence. Um, but we won't know until we see it, how, how Michigan state comes in. This is a Michigan state team that offensively has been on fire. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Four straight games of 80 plus points, five straight where they've exceeded 70. Um, they have been shooting the three at a blistering rate, uh, to the point that they are now the top, uh, high major three point shooting team in the country. And I believe sixth overall, I got to go. Yeah. They're like around top five. Yeah. uh, And any, any level, 
Um, so we know what Michigan State can do. Uh, will they do it in a one-day situation, you know, uh, win or go home? You don't know. Uh, Ohio State, I think, has to be extremely concerned, obviously, about Michigan State's three-point shooting because in both wins that Michigan State has registered against them, blowout in Columbus and then the relatively competitive. I mean, I never... Michigan State controlled that game a little more than a six-point margin suggests, but we'll say they were much more competitive um, than in the first one. But in both games, Michigan State just shot the lights out. So if you're Chris Holtman's team, you're looking at that as job one. We got to find a way to slow them down from three. And you and I know, and all our listeners know, that's the case for Michigan State. If they are not producing from three, it can be hard for them to score enough to win. Uh, I think another thing that we saw at times in that game at Breslin that would be of concern to me if I was Chris Holtman uh, is transition defense. Michigan State ran more effectively against Ohio State than we've seen for most of the year. And it's easy to understand it with Ohio State because they're not a good defensive team anyway. They're not a very cohesive team. We've talked about it. ton of freshmen, bunch of transfers. Not a lot of reason for defensive cohesion. You know, you would you would really have to be a master defensive coach I think, to get such a group playing high-level defense, and Chris Holtman has not proven to be that on the defensive end. So not a shocker, but again, that's another thing I would think is at the top of the Ohio State list for this game is do not let Michigan State get out in transition, whatever you do. Um from the Michigan State side, as we, we already said, threes. I think a, a couple of other things that come to mind immediately. One of them goes a bit with transition, but also in other aspects of the game. MSU's got to rebound defensively. Yep. They just have to. And they really haven't done that. The, the, the second Ohio State game, the Breslin game, wasn't as bad as it felt watching it. But I still don't think it was a top-level effort. And the first game, which MSU won comfortably that was the one area they didn't play very well and they gave up 14 offensive rebounds in that game so defensive boards controlling those that's a big factor and then i would say right now for the way ohio state is playing right now i think your focus simply needs to be doing what you can to contain bruce thornton because he, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, he is the guy who has elevated his play recently, I think more than anyone else. Their other guys are kind of what they've been. But Bruce Thornton has gone from a guy who was, you know, getting a nine a game, 10 a game. Now he seems to be getting 17, 18 a game. And it's making a difference. And he's playing efficiently, too. Um, you know, Michigan State is well equipped to defend him because they've got multiple high level options. A.J. Hogard obviously can guard him. He's, he's a great combination in terms of his ability to move and his size and strength because Thornton is a, a strong player. Tyson Walker with his quickness. Jade Nakins has the defensive tools to guard him. So MSU can throw a lot of guys at him, but I think that's where I would start my focus rather than, you know, Sensabaugh or Suing, rather than those guys. To me right now, the key is Thornton. You, you want to do everything you can to prevent that guy from getting on track. Um, another thought I mentioned earlier, 
Ohio State out of necessity is going to go small ball a lot. They will start um, what's his name, Okpara, mm-hmm. the the big kid. They'll start him. Uh, so the MSU could start their conventional lineup, and then that kid will play enough. He'll play, you know, probably I don't know, eighteen minutes, twenty minutes, something like that. But that means half the game Ohio State's going to be small, and their preferred approach seems to be Eugene Brown, who's a six six wing basically playing the five i felt in the game at breslin a mistake michigan state made is going way too long with their usual fives when ohio state had that lineup out there um and i think it was a problem at both ends you know if you saw this game against iowa or or wisconsin for that matter both iowa and wisconsin have more much more reliable offensive post threats than michigan state has right and they weren't able to get much done against Ohio State by exploiting that. In the game at Breslin, Michigan State did not make Ohio State pay for those small lineups with bigs. And then at the other end, I felt it not that you're necessarily worried about Eugene Brown going out and busting you for five threes. It's it's not that, but it just is not a game when they've got that lineup on the floor, the way they can spread the floor. It's not conducive to your normal fives being the best option. So what I would like to see, what I hope we see is much more of the Michigan state small ball lineup itself against theirs. And I think that's actually something that should be an advantage for Michigan state, because as we said, Michigan state, it's small ball lineup. You're talking about, um, you know, the best version, at least Hogard Walker and Aikens on the perimeter. And then you're talking about Joey Hauser and Malik Hall at the post spots. That's the best offensive lineup for Michigan state. Hands down. All five guys are three point threats. All five guys can pass. All five guys can handle all five guys can basically do everything you need to do offensively. And if you're playing an Ohio state team that doesn't have that big post-up threat, which they don't when, when they go small, I don't think you're, you're facing, not only are you not facing problems defensively, I think you might actually be better off defensively against that group going small. Sure. You know? Yeah. So I, I will see how that goes, but that playing that lineup has been part of what has led to Ohio state success. I think I've, I've noticed games that I've watched lately um they have been just it's again it's not so much what brown is doing himself but it's the way it changes their dynamic they've been their spacing's been much better they've been able to spread the floor and that's allowed guys like thornton and even likely to some extent and gale and suing to penetrate much and sensible to, to penetrate much more than they were much more consistently. And that's where I think Ohio state is having more success. And, and that's also helping to get a lot more driving kick opportunities, you know, where guys like sensible and Thornton and McNeil yeah. um, are really hurting teams with their three point shooting. So I think Michigan state's got to think about matching that. And I think they're uniquely among teams in this conference to do so successfully and be in a position where they have to feel like, well, but we're giving up, you know, X in order to do it. I don't think Michigan state gives up a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. Might even be better in some ways. 
Yeah, the one, the couple of things you point out too, I suppose you be concerned. So one thing for when Michigan State played in East Lansing, they had four points between Sissoko, Kohler, and Cooper. To your point, that they just weren't really able to exploit. And offensively, you wouldn't expect that. And I would say, you know, watching Ohio State the last two games, they are very aggressive when they're when they don't have a par in there of doubling and coming hard, and it forces yep. it puts a lot of yep. pressure on the big man to unload it real quick or recognize that double's coming. And that's not something that I see as a huge strength for. Uh, Sissoko and Kohler. Now, maybe if you just tell them just plan it when you get the ball to not actually usually attack, it's almost like a decoy <laughs> and you're just going to, you go out and hit a, a shooter. Maybe I suppose that could be something, but probably the easy thing is just to go to the straight five. The only concern you have there is I feel the one thing we should say has not been as good at when they go to that small ball lineup is they've been really getting punished on the boards on the uh, defensively and they're just not yep. as good. Uh, and I don't know if Joyce is better coming off as a four uh, re- defensively rebounding than when he has to play the five. I, I, I'm not sure, but they just maybe they just because they're not used to playing that lineup as much. You were right about that, and but uh, but I'm telling you, I don't know that with this matchup, I don't know that I believe that's enough reason, and nor do sure. I believe that MSU playing the five really settled that down very much. You know. Um, I think, I think that I would still take my chances, but it is a fair point. The small lineup got absolutely crushed at Michigan. We know that. Uh, so that's one fairly recent example of where it didn't work in that phase of the game. And it's a critical factor here because, you know, Ohio state is, and this is something else we should mention, you know, the good news for Michigan state is it's the third game in three days. That's normally where you start to see in a, in a tournament like this third game in three days, you start to see the legs sort of wobble a little bit. It's why sometimes big 10 uh, tournament championship games haven't been as well played as you would expect, given the caliber of the teams. Cause usually most years you've got two of the top four seeds are playing. Right. Right. So there are teams that are in that situation. They're their third and three. And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes we've had really, really high level games, but a lot of the time it's, you see kind of questionable. And also we tend to see teams that come from the Thursday game, run out of steam in the semifinal rather than get all the way to the final for the same reason. So you would hope Ohio State feels it a little bit tomorrow. Um, they're, they're certainly going to be playing on adrenaline. I mean, it's uh, long shot as it, it might be, as long a shot as it might be. Uh, they are still technically, you know, their yeah. tournament hopes are alive. Three games away. So, right. So you would expect, at least at the beginning of the game, I would expect that they come out with as much energy as they can possibly muster. But what you hope is that over the course of the game, that's lacking a little bit. They don't have as much in reserve. They kind of, you know, in this, this game too, it was fortunate that they had to, they had to, it was competitive the whole way. I mean, that game never got to a point that either team, you know, like they were in control for pretty much the whole 40 minutes. So they expended a lot of physical and mental energy in this game. And that's a positive too, for MSU. You wanted them to have to go through that. So we will see, but, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that Michigan state is able to bring the kind of focus 
that that you would that we've seen when they've been at their best. And I think if they do that, the rest will take care of itself. If it's if it's a day where they're just struggling to hit shots and there's some unforced turnovers and those types of things happen, that's where it could get tough. But if Michigan State brings the level of play that we've seen over you know the last few weeks, uh, I think since just before the Michigan game, um, I think they win. I just have a hard time seeing Ohio State getting past them if if MSU is not seriously contributing to the loss. Yeah, you know? and I and I think you know for Michigan State, I mean obviously you won in the Big Ten tournament. You've won six of them. You want you love to put them in a seventh, but more importantly, you've although the team's playing better, there's still things that need to be fixed and shored up, right? Like rebounding and defense, right? And so this just gives you more opportunities to try and get that straightened out because when you get the tournament, obviously it's, you know, one and done much like this tournament, but this one doesn't mean as much as it does when the NCAA tournament. So you want to try and play at least two games. I would think you want to at least get to Purdue and, and start playing better and working on yourself. These are almost like glorified scrimmages in some ways you can probably look at it. One other thing that's that's good, I think, about this particular game being the one that they're playing is, you know, in the big thing this year, as we talk about frequently, you've just got team after team after team that are rolling out these five men right. that they're playing through. And you're not necessarily going to see a team that plays that way in the tournament. We're going to it's going to depend on the draw. Michigan State is not in a position where they're they're likely going to see you know, a dangerous, say, you know, 14 or 13 seed mid-major team. They're probably not going to see that. In fact, there's a decent chance that they could be looking at another high major in the first round, given where they seem to fall in the seeding line. Right. But, but you never know. You never know what's going to happen over the course of the tournament in terms of how it unfolds. It could be a second round game that you're seeing a mid-major that's, you know, sprung an upset. Uh, so I think it's a good thing to be seeing a team like Ohio state now that does not play conventionally. And I know they just saw them. Um, (laughs) I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because if you see this team and you beat them and then likely you're going to see a Purdue team that plays very, very differently in the center. Well, then you've seen kind of the, the full gamut of what it can look like in terms of the types of teams you need to defend. And, and frankly, where Michigan State is right now, kind of getting to what you were talking about, where they need to improve at the moment, in my opinion, is they've got to get the defense back to where it was. I do think there's been some slippage. And so having to face an Ohio State team that plays a little unconventionally, can test you with shooting, is now getting better in terms of their ability to go off the dribble against you, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it is weird how they're playing them. You know, they just, that was the last game and now you're playing them again. Well, but that's the nation Big I, Ten tournament, right? About that. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because if you remember, it was the same equation last year. Right. Maryland, they, I right? believe they played Maryland on senior day. And then Maryland was the first round opponent yep. in the Big Ten tournament. Michigan State won both of those games. Let's hope that history holds, but it is unusual. Yeah. And I think last year too, I think Michigan State won both games against Maryland and they, so that's the classic, you know, can you beat the team that's the third time? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah almost identical. Right. Oh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So, right. You, you, you know, there's that cliche about, oh, it's tough to beat team three times. Yes, that's true. Uh, unless but, you're better, <laughs> unless you're better. And, and honestly, 
you know, for example, the Penn State Illinois game is getting ready to to tip off at or from recording this, and Penn State's won the first two games. That's going to be a real challenge to beat Illinois a third time. This is not. I'm not saying this means anything. Michigan State could get beat, but this is not as daunting as say that that job is right. Yeah. When you pull off upsets to get there, Michigan state's going to be the favorite. And as I said, if they play with the overall focus and effort that we've seen over the last three weeks or so, I think they do win. Um, but they need to do that. They can't come out and, and have that. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here so I can get to the uh, evening session and experience the wonderful Chicago traffic yet, yet again. Uh, so, until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.